This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Double Tap Canada. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. What have you done to deserve this? I hear you ask. Uh, I'm Stephen Scott. Hello. Uh, back with you once again. Uh, I've also got Tim Schwartz here. Hello, Tim. Hello, Stephen. I've never heard somebody be such a defeatist in all of my life. You, you just... Uh, but, but it is a good day. We are here and it's time to talk tech. Listen, I live in a country that is currently tearing itself apart over I have no idea what. Um, to what end, I have no idea. But in the end, I think we'll all be potless and penniless. Um, so really, I, I don't know. I, I think I've just gone to the level of hysteria. I am, of course, talking about the UK, by the way, in case anyone's wondering what I'm talking about. Um, For a moment, I thought you were talking about the US. I wasn't I, sure. You're kind of in the same boat, I guess. Right. Sean Priest is here. Hello, Sean. Wow, I am so depressed. And we're 30 seconds in. It's good to be here, maybe. That's three weeks in a row now. Yeah, depressing. Welcome to Double Tap. Yay. This is the show that will absolutely pick you up. And then put you back down. Um, yeah, we're, we're not believers in movement over here. Uh, yeah, so hello, welcome to Double Tap Canada. It is great to be here. Do you know, I have to say, in amongst all the Brexit stuff uh, that you're probably sick of seeing on the telly, because I know we are, um, you know, it's kind of nice just to get away and talk about something else like tech. Tech is always beautiful. Mm-hmm. It just brings us together. It brings us closer. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll see how oh, that goes. We'll, see, we'll review that at the end of the show. Um <laughs> So, coming up this week, we are going to be talking about Narrator, uh, the uh, screen reader that is on Windows. Now, we've talked about it before, um, but Tim and I uh, actually went along this week. I say went along. That sounds like we moved. And again, as I say, we don't do movement here on Double Tap. We like to stay very still in our lives. Um, So, we went on a webinar, which basically means we went to one of these online things that you go to and people talk at you for an hour about all that is wonderful about their product. And in this case, it was Microsoft Narrator. Uh, We're going to talk about our experiences of that. Uh, Tim is back with more of his Tim's Bits, which I always enjoy, a bit of Tim's Bits. Well, Stephen, I thought this week I would keep with the theme that you're going to mention here in a moment. And coming off of the email from Aaron last week, I'm going to show you a couple of ways to use your Amazon Echo to tune your instruments or to tune your guitar. Oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, okay. Uh, We do have other emails we're going to get to uh, this week. So if you've been sending in emails recently, then good news. I'm going to be reading them out. Yes, me. I'll be using what's remaining of my vision to read out your emails. Aren't you so happy? You're such a trooper. (laughs) Such a snowflake. (laughs) Um, So I am actually going to, for once, be quiet on this program. Because this week, we're going to hand it over to Sean Priest. Hooray! Yes, more me. That's what we want. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about your bit then, because your bit this week is all about uh, the smart assistants. Now, we've talked a lot about uh, Google Home, although maybe not as much as we have the other one, which is the Amazon Echo. Uh, Sean this week has very kindly... See, I was being nice there for a second. Thank you. Has very kindly gone off and uh, done some work on this to compare both and find out which is best. A while ago, I put the Google Home Mini and the Amazon Echo Dot 2nd Gen in the ring together to see which one would come out on top. 
It was close, but at that time I gave the crown of best entry-level smart speaker to the Google Home Mini. This was because of its superior sound quality over the Dot 2 and its ability to answer more of my questions correctly. But that was then. Unlike me, technology moves fast. And since then, both Google and Amazon have worked hard to make their smart speakers stronger, faster, better. Yes, both companies, Google and Amazon, have worked hard on the software side of their smart speakers, adding more and more features. And with the release of the Amazon Echo Dot third generation, Amazon has gone even further with a total hardware overhaul and redesign. But does all this hard work make any difference? Is the Dot 3 finally a contender? Or is the Google Home Mini still the heavyweight champion? There's only one way to find out. Let's get ready to rumble! Let's get ready, ready, let's get ready, ready, let's get ready to rumble! Watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic. Psych! Round one. For round one, we're going to be taking a look at the design and appearance of these two entry-level speakers. The Google Home Mini has not had a redesign since its initial release. As you probably guessed from the Google Home Mini's name, it is quite small, measuring 99mm by 42mm. It's circular in shape with a rounded outside edge. If you think of a classic flying saucer, then you get a good idea of how this thing looks. The top face of the Google Home Mini is covered in what Google call a fabric. Doesn't feel much like a fabric to me, more like a plastic or metal speaker grill. But that's it, there are no buttons on the top or anything really. In the centre of the top face underneath the speaker grill are four LED lights, which indicate different things such as when it's listening to you or when it's turning on. On the bottom is a non-slip silicon base, and on the side, a micro USB port for providing power and a mute switch for when you want those private moments. Now, I did say there aren't any buttons on the top face of the Google Home Mini, and while that's technically true, there are touch controls. If we say the USB cable plugs in at 12 o'clock on the Google Home Mini, then one touch area is at 3 o'clock and there's another at 9 o'clock, just on the side. Tapping the control at 3 o'clock will increase the volume. Tapping the control at 9 o'clock will decrease the volume. You can also touch and hold either of these sides for play and pause. Overall, it's a very minimalistic design, which is nice. Now, let's take a look at the Amazon Dot 3. Again, circular in shape and dimension size very similar to the Google Home Mini, at 99mm by 43mm. But I've got to say, the Dot 3 does feel a lot sturdier and a lot weightier than the Google Home Mini. Mainly, I think, because the outside edge isn't as curved and rounded as the Google Home Mini, which does make the Dot feel bigger and taller. The top face is made of a nice-feeling plastic with four physical buttons. At 12 o'clock, we have volume up. At 3 o'clock, we have play, pause and activate button. At 6 o'clock is volume down. And 9 o'clock is the mute button for those private moments. OK, stop it. Control yourselves. All of these buttons have a nice tactile embossed icon on the top and they work well. The outside edge is made of, again, this fabric material, just like the Google Home Mini. 
Both Google and Amazon say this material is acoustically transparent, which basically means the sound can come out at 360 degrees. And the base, again, is covered in a non-slip silicon. Also on the outside edge, you will find a 3.5mm headphone or line-out jack, and also a jack for the power supply. Now, sadly, this time, unlike the Dot 2 and the Google Home Mini, the micro-USB has gone. Instead, the Dot 3 does require a DC power input, just like its bigger brother, the Amazon Echo. Of course, at the end of the day, it does just come down to your own personal taste, but both designs are nice. The Google Home Mini is minimalistic, and the Dot 3 does look slightly more techy, but both will fit into any room without sticking out like a sore thumb. Things I don't like? Well, on the Google Home Mini, touch controls. Now, it's not to say that Google are doing anything particularly wrong, it's just that touch controls universally are terrible. You find yourself tapping all over the Google Home Mini just trying to find that sweet spot, and it's easy to activate them by accident. Whereas the buttons on the Dot 3 work really well. But when it comes to the Dot 3, one thing I do miss is the micro USB power cable. Now, I understand why they had to ditch it. They needed more power for the bigger speaker in the Dot 3 than the micro USB could supply. But when it comes to putting that smart speaker exactly where you want it, it's far easier to change a micro USB cable for a longer or shorter one. Whereas with the supplied power supply, you're stuck with what you're given. Also, I've got to say, I love the 3.5mm headphone jack on the Dot 3. The Google Home Mini does not have one, and it's a real shame. Google have recently added the ability to Bluetooth out to speakers from the Google Home Mini. And of course, you can connect via Chromecast. But for me, the ability to have both Bluetooth out and a 3.5mm jack is better. So, this round goes to the Dot 3. Let's get ready! Round two. Okay, so round one was a little bit boring, I can admit that, but round two is where it gets interesting. Well, no guarantees. The sound test. Now, the Amazon Dot 2 was, well, let's be honest, pretty poor when it came to audio quality. The Google Home Mini was just so much better. Audio sounded clearer, louder, more body, just better. Well, obviously, Amazon wasn't going to stand for that, so when they redesigned the Dot 3, their main priority was better audio. Promising much improved audio over the Dot 2, can this deliver the killer blow to the Google Home Mini? Well, let's find out. I've got them both in front of me at the moment. I've set the volume on both to 7. I've got a dictaphone set up about 3 feet away. I'm going to play some music on both, and we'll compare. I'm going to start with the Dot 3. Sounds good, and so much better than the previous Dot 2. Now, I am in a small room. The audio quality isn't obviously going to come through on this recording as good as it sounds here in real life. But there definitely is more body, more weight to the music than there was from the Dot 2. Now, in a few seconds, I'm going to switch to the Google Home Mini.
that's brutal. The Google Home Mini is definitely on the ropes when it comes to audio quality. It's a total switcheroo from the previous situation. Now the Google Home Mini sounds tinny. It sounds like the music has no body, has no weight behind it. Okay, okay, let me calm down just a little bit because I want to say that the Google Home Mini doesn't sound bad. It's only when you compare it to the Dot 3 that you can totally tell the difference. It's just so obvious. Again, let's quickly switch between the two so we can really hear that difference. humanity i can't stand it anymore i'm throwing in the towel for the google home mini when it comes to audio quality now i don't think anyone would be expecting mind-blowing audio quality from entry-level speakers like the google home mini or the dot 3 but when it comes to bang for your buck there's no denying the dot 3 definitely has the advantage both speakers support multi-room grouping this allows you to well group a set of speakers together. So if you have, say, Google Home Minis in every bedroom, you can create a group called Upstairs and then play a song or a radio station on all those speakers upstairs at the same time. It works great. However, the Dot 3 also supports stereo pairing, which means you can have two Dot 3s and set one as the left speaker and one as the right, which obviously improves audio quality and also widens the stereo effect. Now, currently, the Google Home Mini does not support stereo pairing, although, who knows, by the time I finish recording, they may add that feature, but currently, they don't. Now, add this with the connectivity issues I mentioned in round one with the 3.5mm headphone jack, and I think this round is a clear win for the Dot 3. Let's get ready to rumble! Let's get ready, ready, let's get ready, ready, let's get ready to rumble! Round 3. Round three is where we look at the brains behind the brawn, the smart side of smart speakers. Which one really is best at answering your questions? After all, Google has been answering our questions for years in the form of a search engine. Can Amazon compete? Well, let me start with this. When it comes to general knowledge questions, both are fantastic. If you want to know the spelling of a word, the definition of a word, the weather, the news, how far away is the sun, when a certain celebrity was born, who starred in what film, sports results, anything like that, they're both great. Look, believe me, you know when a technology works well when, as part of a family discussion over dinner or something, it feels perfectly natural to shout out a question to a smart speaker to win an argument or prove a point. And that's exactly it. It does feel natural. Now, of course, both of these speakers have their little quirks. One will answer a question easily that the other one won't. Sometimes you need to phrase a question in a certain way. But the majority of questions are answered quickly and concisely. 
Okay, with all that said, there is absolutely no getting away from the fact that Google has vast resources when it comes to answering our questions. The Google Home Mini is just more responsive. Now, it may only be the difference of half a second, one second, two seconds maybe, but it is important. You do notice it, and it does make using the Google Home Mini feel more human-like, less mechanical. That's not to say the dot three is stupid or bad at answering questions. It's just that when you compare it to the Google Home Mini, you do see a difference. Okay, let's put them under the spotlight and ask some questions. Now I'm going to skip the standard questions such as weather and things like that because they both work the same. I'm going to take out the wake words so I don't set off your smart speakers at home. When you hear this, that's the Google Home Mini talking. And when you hear this, that's the dot three. It's question time. How do I turn on voiceover on the Apple TV? On the website support.apple.com, they say, if you turned on voiceover when you set up your Apple TV, you can use the accessibility shortcut to turn voiceover on or off. On your remote, press the menu button three times to turn voiceover on or off. You can also go to settings, general, accessibility greater than voiceover, then turn voiceover on or off. Sorry, I'm not sure about that. Who starred in the movie Bird Box? The cast of Bird Box includes Sandra Bullock M, Travanti Rhodes, and 19 others. Bird Box's stars are Sandra Bullock, Travanti Rhodes. Danielle McDonald, John Malkovich, and Sarah Paulson. To see more, check out the Alexa app. How much is a flight to Canada? Popular flight destinations in Canada include Toronto and Vancouver. Upcoming return flights from Manchester start at £393. Sorry, I'm having trouble accessing your Skyscanner flight search skill right now. When's the next bus to Manchester Town Centre? The best way to get to Manchester by bus is to catch 59 departing at 10.31am from Hawkshead Road, a three-minute walk from your current location. It'll take about 52 minutes to get there, including one change. Sorry, I don't have information on buses or ferries yet. How much is an Audi A6? From £37,750. The top search result for Audi A6 is Audi Wireless Charging Cover. It's £37 on Amazon. Which country has the heaviest building in the world? On the website via capitalevendi.com, they say, according to Guinness World Records, the Palace of the Parliament in Bucharest is the heaviest building on the planet. Hmm, I'm not sure. Do UFOs exist? I want to believe. Hmm, I don't know that one. Well, there you go. There was a few questions there that the Dot 3 didn't know that the Google Home Mini did. Particularly when it comes to grabbing results off the web. The question about turning voiceover on on the Apple TV, for example. Google is great at that. Now, as ever, it's not quite as straightforward as that because skills on the Dot 3 can make a huge difference. For example, if I do want to know a bus time on the Dot 3, there's probably a skill I can install for my local bus service. 
The Google Home Mini also has skills or apps or actions, whatever it calls them. But searching and browsing through available skills does seem a lot easier on the Amazon app than it does on the Google platform. But there's no getting away from it. In this round, you've got to give it to the Google Home Mini. Let's get ready to rumble. Let's get ready, ready. Let's get ready, ready. Let's get ready to rumble. Round four. In this final round, I'm going to take a quick look at everything else I haven't covered yet. For example, streaming video. The Google Home Mini can stream video to a Chromecast-enabled TV or a Chromecast dongle, and the Dot 3 can stream video to a Fire TV stick. You can say something like "Play The Office" from Prime Video, and it will start playing on your TV. Likewise, on Google, you can say "Play Cat Videos from YouTube," and again, it will start playing on your TV. It's really cool, and it just works really well. Obviously, which one you prefer comes down to which service you prefer. If you watch a lot of YouTube videos, for example, then that might be the better bet. But if you have an Amazon Prime account, then you will get Prime Video for free, so that may be the way to go. And it's the same when it comes to audio streaming services as well. If you have YouTube Music or Google Music, then a Google Home Mini is the one for you. Amazon Music Unlimited, obviously, is for the Dot Three, and in some countries, Apple Music is also supported. By the Dot Three, both support audiobook playback through Audible, and there are some services such as Spotify that both will play quite happily. When it comes to the companion apps, the apps you download to set up your smart speakers, I've got to say the Google Home Mini app is nice. It's recently had an update, and it's really easy to use. Sadly, the Amazon Lady A app has also recently had an update, which has made it a terrible nightmare. Well, at least accessibility-wise, the labels are all over the place. Hopefully, that will be fixed in the next update, though. But either way, both apps are accessible; they are usable. But the Google Home Mini app is just a nicer, more polished experience. And just to reassure anyone that may be worried, setting up both of these devices out of the box is very easy and totally accessible for the visually impaired. When it comes to smart devices such as smart plugs, light bulbs, central heating, or air conditioning, well, guess what? Both smart speakers work really well. I can easily turn my Nest thermostat on and off and set the temperature on both devices. You could say that thanks to the Dot's library of skills, that you're more likely to find support for smaller or unknown manufacturers. But the gap between them is getting less and less. The Google Home Mini now has great support for most smart devices. Now I am certain there's something I've missed, something that you think is important that one has over the other one. But I think I've covered the major points. So, who's the winner? Well, I'm going to say they're both winners. I know I'm so PC, but the fact is that both of these smart speakers are. Fantastic, especially if you're visually impaired. The accessibility is great, the service is great, and once you get over the embarrassment of talking to plastic, they're just so incredibly useful. Yes, the Dot Three does have better audio quality, but the Google Home Mini still sounds good. And yes, the Google Home Mini is smarter than the Dot Three, but not by enough that it really matters. At the end of the day, I think that. We shouldn't be looking at these two as in competition anymore. They don't need to fight. It's all about having extra choice. What works best for us.
Well, you know what? I'm not surprised you come up with that conclusion, Sean. Tim, um, are you surprised that it's a draw between both smart assistants? You know, going into it, I thought there would be maybe a winner, but after listening to Sean's bit there about each of them, you know, I'm not really surprised, actually, because this day and age, both of them have made so many big strides as far as the artificial intelligence goes, the abilities of each one. So, you know, because of the fact that they are in such direct competition, I'm I'm actually not surprised. Well, I want to put my two cents out here, but I will say this. I probably will be shouted down for this one, so I'm expecting it, okay? Definitely. Um, I don't really think we're at a stage anymore where it really matters which one you buy. Um, I think we're kind of getting to the, the Apple versus Android stage of um, of technology here, where, especially in this case, because both devices are inherently accessible. The Google Home Mini is accessible to blind and partially sighted people who want to communicate by voice as is yeah. the Amazon Echo, yeah. right? So they're both in the same league. Really what we're talking about here and what you've been looking at is the capabilities. And what we found is that they're kind of they're kind of just really similar. Um, I think I'd probably say, if you're the kind of person who wants to know lots of facts and lots of knowledge on things, then I think the Google Home Mini probably edges out because that is a device for search. Essentially, that is what Google is, right? So that's what it's born out of. So Google Home Mini for search, whereas I think if you like listening to music, I think if you like using smart devices, yes, you can do all that on the Google Home as well, but I think if that's only your interest, see, I'm not particularly interested in fact. I don't care about the world around me. I like tech. That's all I'm interested <laughs> in. So, you know, I don't, you don't care what's to... going on outside. It's not, I, don't, I don't care what colour Napoleon's hair was, right? I'm not interested in that. What I want to know is how can I listen to country music and lots of it? And Lady A helps me with that. Well, look, they, they both, as you both said, they're so similar now. Um, they both access pretty much the same music services. There's a couple of exceptions. Obviously, they're their own branded one in Google Music and YouTube Music and Amazon mm. Music as well. Apple Music. Um, it depends how much uh, you're really entrenched in either ecosystem really if you've got lots of chromecast devices or you've got lots of uh, if you already have amazon prime for example you get amazon music thrown in with that so but other than that they are so similar they're aimed at the same market almost identical price it's so difficult to find a difference between them and when it does come to asking questions you know yes google definitely does have the edge it does have that ability to search the web and bring search results back but amazon is catching up and some questions that one will answer, the other one will, and vice versa. So it's so tight between them, I really don't think you could go wrong if you buy either one. And sorry, just to say, because I started off my sentence earlier by saying, I'm going to say something that people will be annoyed at, and then I realised I never actually said it. Um, <laughs> that was annoying by itself. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, how annoying am I, without even trying? Is that rhetorical? <laughs> <laughs> what I would say is actually just buy both Ooh, Ooh controversial but yeah i gotta say i agree if you can afford it if you if you can make up your mind the price point that you could pick these up at you know they're always on sale um i think you can't go wrong uh look let's let's stop it here because we could talk about this all day uh but we want to talk about narrator 101 uh which was the latest webinar from microsoft tim and i attended sean was going to but he was too busy making that <laughs> wonderful feature um so uh we're going to talk about that. We're also going to get to your emails as well. All that to come here on uh, Double Tap Canada. Do not go away. 
Double Tap Canada. Welcome back. This is Double Tap Canada. And uh, I am Stephen Scott. He is Tim Schwartz. And he is Sean Priest. Hello. Well, hello. Well, hello yourself. Right, let's, um, <laughs> cowboy, uh, let's move on to uh, Narrator, the screen reader that is built into every Windows PC. I'm going to just quickly summarise. Basically, up until Windows 10, it was rubbish. Now it's good. That's the summary. Um, that was a quick summary. Well, well done. I think it kind of, good night, everybody. I think it kind of got to the point, if I'm honest. I think it said it all. I think it was pretty spot yeah. on. <laughs> Windows 7, terrible. Windows XP, laughable. <laughs> Um, and everything before that, yeah. So, you know, uh, there wasn't much love for Narrator around by the blind community. I think that's fair to say. A lot of people saw it as a stepping stone to get to another screen reader. Um, yes. However, they have put a lot of work in, they being Microsoft. And I've got to say, hats off. To, if I wore a hat, I would take it off and I would say, hats off to you, my kind sir and lady people. <laughs> would you? Um yeah, that's what I'd say. Um, yeah. Because you know what? I think they've done a huge amount of work on this. Uh, the Windows 10 narrator, the latest edition, which was uh, just released in the last year uh, and made available to a lot of us, has got some amazing features. And one thing that I'm really impressed by is that they've started doing narrator sessions, not just narrator, but accessibility sessions generally, going through each and every single feature and accessibility area, if you like, that they have built into their systems. So the first one was on Narrator. Tim and I went along. Um, I liked it, Tim, because I got some of my questions answered. They said my, well, they didn't say my name, but they uh, kind of annoyed about that, but we'll get over it. Um, <laughs> but they, they did uh, They did read out my questions. I was excited by that. Tim, what did you think about it? Overall, I thought it was a really good presentation. They were able to highlight a lot of the new features that came out in Narrator this past October. Uh, of course, you can only do so much in a 30-minute presentation, and then the rest of it was Q&A. But from what they did uh, put on display there, I, I actually enjoyed the webinar. I thought that there was a lot of good content there. There's one or two things that I didn't even realize were in the new, Raider, new Narrator, easier for me to say. And I'm very excited about it. Actually, um, if I'm online, I may actually just use narrator over anything else right now because of some of the things they talked about. Hush your mouth. No way. Fake news. Now, you two are just having a complete love fest with narrator at the minute. I have tried the latest update and yes, it's so much better than it was. It is a option now. But how can you choose it, Tim, over, let's say, NVDA or Jules? Well, I, I will say right off the bat that my favorite feature that I wasn't even aware was there was that if you are online and you are on a website that has images, they have integrated seeing AI technology into Narrator. And with a key, quick keystroke, you can actually get a description of the image that you're looking at on the website. That to me is a major benefit. All the other things that they've done to make it similar to JAWS, although uh, <laughs> they wouldn't quite say that in the webinar, they just said that it will be familiar to you if you've used other screen readers. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, I thought that was clever. But the other things that they've done to be able to navigate by heading and, and the you know, different modes that they have and be able to find links and all those kind of things, the links list and all that, I think those are a long time coming. And they were things that narrators should have had for a long time now. So I'm very happy to see that but to integrate or integrate seeing ai into it so that i can get that image description that to me is a big deal in a world where tab and shift tab 
are generally my best friends. Yes. Um, this is uh, a really interesting time because I use Tab for everything, and I have to be honest, since trying out, not Narrator, although I, ha I have been trying out Narrator, but actually the computer I use at work runs Windows 7. Wow. Ouch. Where do you work again? I work in the past. <laughs> um, and, you know, I go in and I use this machine, and obviously I, I can't use Narrator. Now, they are upgrading us all to new machines, and we will get Windows 10, so that's great. And I am really, really looking forward to that because I've noticed that just not by using Narrator, but by using Chrome, because I've been trying out the Pixel Book, um, and I have to tell you, I am so impressed by this. I actually, I, I am equally, I'll maybe explain this more next week, but we'll maybe get into this more, because I want to talk about Narrator at this point, but all I'll say is I'm equally as excited by Chrome as I am annoyed by Chrome. And the short answer to that reasoning is, I feel that, you know, I just wish the Chromebook could do more. Uh, I can't audio edit ah. on a Chromebook. I, yeah. There's certain apps that don't work or aren't as accessible. The apps themselves still have issues. But the websites are good. Um, the ability to, to use websites is amazing. I, I, I just leap through Twitter and Facebook now in a way that I wow. could never have done before. So you feel limited by the operating system rather than the screen reader? Yeah, on Chrome, yes. yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the fact that you haven't got the ability at this point to do things like audio editing, which is really the, the, the other skill for me. But that's a very specific thing for me. Yeah. Um, the majority of people who are listening to this will be like, yeah, whatever, I don't want to do that. So in that case, if I take the audio editing out, I would say it's a really exciting product. Um, it's an expensive one, but then there is a Pixel uh, Slate, which is a bit cheaper, which is a tablet. Um, so that might be another option out there. Still but expensive. It's still expensive, but it's it's yeah. just... I think we're at a point, and, and this is a really weird place for me to be, because I, I feel like this is, this is like a soap opera in my life. Um, I started off learning voiceover on the Mac when I started using screen readers. That was the very first place I started. I started using voiceover because I thought it would be the easiest of them all. Mm. I thought, you know, iPhone... I've got the hang of it. It can't be any different. I hear loads of people saying it's just like using the iPhone. And I know there's ways you can do it that make it similar. But truth be told, I've never got on with voiceover on the Mac. I find it clunky. I find it prohibitive in some areas. I don't find it an enjoyable experience as much as I would like it to. I find it that there are steps you need to take that are cumbersome yeah. and don't need to be there. And I think a lot of people find that after the success of voiceover on the iPhone, a lot of people jumped on the Mac and found exactly the same thing. And, of course, the prices of those machines are going up and up and yeah. up and up and up. So to get on that bandwagon, it's, it's a very high bar. Now, I moved to the Chromebook, and I bought a very cheap, nasty Chromebook last year on a, a sale, and I thought, um, I'll try it out. And my first impression was it's okay, then I was having issues with sound because the it seemed anyway as if the processor, because in the low-end, low-spec, low-cost Chromebooks, there's a very you know cheap and, and nasty processor in it. Because really, for most people, it, all it's doing is browsing the web. It's not doing anything else. Yeah, it's all it needs. But actually, it's really fast. By, you know, So you don't need a fast processor. However, if you're using speech, I think you do need a better processor. So the Pixelbook is more expensive, but it does have a better processor. And therefore, you don't get jagged, horrible, nasty, crunchy sound. <laughs> and that's what you get really good sound off it. You get not, not just the audio quality, but the ability to understand the speech without it jarring or struggling or stuttering. But I've... Now, 
going on sorry tim i'll just say this quickly um because i do want to bring you in but uh, just on this i think the chromebook has been a really interesting experience in the ability to use a built-in screen reader with its intended browser which is in this case chrome works really well i then try narrator and i'm getting the same experience and what i'm finding is that windows and chrome are becoming my go-to machines to do anything and apple is drifting way off into the distance and on top of that paid for screen readers like hmm jaws for example i'm losing interest in because i'm finding it's not keeping up because it's third party it's third party it's not in a position to be able to keep up with the changes that windows bring in they admit that themselves they, they've always said that you know they're always trying to catch up look at the microsoft edge situation for you know a year we could almost not use microsoft edge i'll be honest i still struggle with edge with jaws just don't use it i think that's the easiest way but to be to be fair microsoft also struggled to keep up with it yes but i think that because it's part of their operating system and it's part of their rollout of what they do i think they're better at this because it's theirs and it should be and it's the same with apple and voiceover those who love voiceover will say well it's great and it should be and it's the same with chrome i think the inbuilt screen reader is going to be the one thing the one big takeaway of 2019 and i think the paid for options are going to diminish. Wow. I actually can't really disagree with that because of the steps that Microsoft has been taking with Narrator. It has become, for some people, a go-to because of the fact that it is free, it is built in, just like VoiceOver, just like uh, you know the, the Chromevox uh, on the Chromebook. And I could definitely see this being a major uh, issue when it comes to JAWS or other paid screen readers. Now, my question is to you then, Stephen. You were talking about the Chromebook versus a Pixelbook and VoiceOver versus Narrator. First, the, the Chromebook versus Pixelbook, would you say that that experience is similar to, say, some of the lesser expensive Android phones versus your experience you've had with Pixel 3? And then would you say that your experience with VoiceOver or Narrator, which one's better? Well, um, I think starting with the Android phone, the cheap versus the top of the line, that's a big question. And I have to say, I will say that the gap between those two is much narrower than I would say Chrome on a cheap Chromebook. Sorry, Chrome Vox on a cheap Chromebook is yeah. on a more expensive Pixelbook. I think the gap is much wider. Sure. And I think that's because the hardware, even in the cheaper phones, is is pretty good, um, better than, than it probably requires. So... No, I, I wouldn't say I've had the... I've had issues with with um, TalkBack on a, a cheaper Android phone. But in comparison, yeah, the gap is not as wide as I thought. I wouldn't, I wouldn't not recommend a cheap Android phone, whereas I would definitely not recommend a cheap Chromebook. What was the other question? I think that's a fair <laughs> statement based on what you said uh, over the past many weeks. Now, to the other question, then, your experience with VoiceOver being your first screen reader that you used mm. on a Mac, how do you compare that to the current version of Narrator? Um, ease of use, simple, simply put, um, it's ease of use versus um, frustration. Because I, the issue, so the thing for me was, and I think this is actually something Apple could fix very quickly, but it, it involves taking a step, one step, out of the navigation element on VoiceOver. 
And it's called the interaction model, where you interact yes. with elements. So, for example, and I'll, I'll try and simplify this as best I can. If you're in a, a equivalent of a Finder window, Windows Explorer, if you like, um, where you've got down the side of the screen, you've got a tree view, which has got, you know, documents and, and desktop and all the rest in it. And then you've got your, your toolbar and then you've got your main window, which includes all your files that are in that location set by the tree view. Um, to navigate around that with Narrator is... is actually really simple. I mean, you can use tab. Um, you can even use F6, I think, and move around that way. Um, you can bounce around with the narrator keys. Uh, certainly that's been my experience. Certainly that's the case with, with Chrome. Uh, on a Mac, what you have to do is you have to navigate to the block that you want to interact with. So you choose one of those three elements. It might be the toolbar, it could be the sidebar, or it could be the window list, as they call it. Now, if I... If I navigate myself to the sidebar i've then got to hold down about 50 keys that's a slight exaggeration i've got to hold down a few keys <laughs> feels to, like it it does feel like that to actually interact with the sidebar right so then you arrow down to the documents you've then got to uninteract with the sidebar move around the screen again to the window list and then go in and interact with the window list take that step away and basically, you've got what Chrome does. And you've got what Narrator does. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, even JAWS doesn't do that as well. So I just think there's better ways it could be done. And I, I think that's that's the downside for me. And that's why I wouldn't probably go down the Apple route again, um, unless that changed. Um, but I, I don't think it will. That's their way of doing it. Right, let's get to some emails because, you know, we could talk about this all day. Um, and, you know, it is something I am passionate about. Do tell us what you think. Feedback at ami.ca if you want to join in the conversation. Um, I do want to get to your emails because you loyally send these in and, and we always end up talking so much um, that we <laughs> never get to them. So I, I really want to get to these. Uh, so let's start with um, Anthony uh, from Calgary who says, Hi, Double Tap Canada team. I really enjoy... At your show, and I'm looking forward to the comparison of Google Home and Lady A. Well, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, however, you may not have known this. I didn't when it comes to accessing podcasts that Google Home is much better at it. Amazon's Lady A, I'm trying not to say the word, um, well, the app, I'm told, is not the most accessible. That's true. There have been issues with that, for sure. And the amount of work to get skills to do the most simple thing, like play anything off of iTunes or Apple Podcasts, uh, it seems like a lot of work. Well, friends have tried to get uh, AMI podcasts, for example, and all they got was, hmm, not sure how to do that. Even those at AMI never really dealt with uh, Amazon uh, Echo either. Any tips on what we can do? Well, that's that's a that's a real challenge, isn't it? Because um, this is actually a problem, I think, that Amazon have got with the way that they integrate with uh, services like TuneIn and others, um, which is quite difficult if your podcast is is listed in a certain way, like AMI could be AMI, you know, if you were saying it. Oh, and that's, that's, that's the same with both of them, though. It is very much, you've got to, it's trial and error of how to pronounce something or a certain way of how to ask questions. They are getting a lot better, but um, yeah, there is a bit of trial and error there. I will say, I absolutely agree with you. Playing podcasts on the Google Home is so much easier. And more importantly, it's so much easier to fast forward and rewind and skip through them. You can just say fast forward 10 minutes and it will do it. And natively, the Amazon Echo Assistant won't do that. Now, with that being said, um, there is a skill called AnyPod, 
which is very good and it does give you that ability to skip through uh, a podcast and it does support lots and lots of the, the majority of the podcasts that I listen to. Um, so that is worth a try. It is called AnyPod. But even then, you need to remember to say, tell AnyPod to fast forward two or ten minutes. You know, you've got that extra layer in front of it, which you don't have on the Google Home. I do, I do prefer it for listening to podcasts. Oh, and I will say that you can play Double Tap Canada podcast easy on both of them. I know it works well on the um, Amazon Assistant. Just say, play Double Tap Canada podcast, and it will play it through tuning. That works pretty much flawlessly for me every time right tim one for you um mark austin has been in touch from the uk and he says on a recent show tim you talked about the plantronics m165 phone headset for use with an iphone he says i am registered blind and thought this would be an ideal solution for all my mobile communication needs i've contacted plantronics and they tell me that the m165 is no longer available but they recommend the plantronics 500 However, this doesn't get very good reviews. Could you recommend a replacement? Unfortunately, I can't really recommend a replacement or an alternative to the M165. I do know the current version is the 500. I was thinking about getting that one to try it. But the 165, you can still get places online. Uh, I've been able to still find it on Amazon, maybe not always through Amazon, but third-party sellers. Uh, The M55, I think it is, is still available as well, although it's a much older device. But the 165, you can still find it online some places. So if you you don't go through Plantronics, look around online, Amazon and others, you should still be able to find it. Uh, I'll have to take a look at the 500 and and see, see what that's all about. Plantronics Voyager Legend is another good one. I That's one I've got, and I love that one. Uh, and it's got a lot of spoken feedback on it as well, which is quite good. It tells you battery level. Uh, when you put it in pairing mode, it tells you. you know, it's got that kind of vocal feedback that's quite nice. Yep, that's that's what Plantronics brings to the table. They're really good at all that. And, of course, there are other brands. You no, there's not. They're all terrible. Uh, right, oh, so uh, okay. here's another one. <laughs> Sorry. Sennheiser and Bose, if you want to go expensive, have single ears that are great. Yeah, that's the, Sennheiser actually a good make. Um but I think, I don't know, I'll say one thing about Plantronics quickly. I think that it, it does multi-point very well, which yes. means you can connect it to more than one yes. device and it will seamlessly switch. That is probably one of the best features about it and it, it's got it bang on. I wish Apple would take note. Anyway, um, right, Chris has been in touch. Chris Judge is one of the hosts here at AMI. Uh, you know, they all listen to us, you know. Um, <laughs> he's host of the AMI original show, as you'll know. Well, Chris, of course. good to have Hello, you Chris. Yeah. Um, he also hosts Eyes for the Job as well, and he's a faithful Double Tap listener. Woohoo! Thank you, Chris. Sucking up. <laughs> um, right, I've got a question for you, Tim, uh, says Chris. I heard the episode where you were talking about the new smart water bottle you got for Christmas. Yeah, we know, Chris. He's never shut up about it. <laughs> um, well, It's next to me right now. Can you tell me? That's not what Chris says, by the way. I said that. Um, but what Chris asks is, can you tell me what brand it is and if the app is accessible with voiceover? I purchased a smart water bottle from Amazon made by Thermos, but I'm having trouble figuring out the app. Thank you for any help you can give me. Yeah, Chris, I'm really liking my smart water bottle. The one that I have is made by a company called Hydrate. H-I, not H-Y, if you look it up online. And it usually runs, I think, about $40 or $50, maybe a little bit more, a little less, depending on uh, where you get it. But it works really well, and the app is accessible. I have a lot of swiping. Unfortunately, there's no headings in there, but a lot of swiping to get to things. But once you get to it, it it is perfectly accessible. Okay. Um, I must say, I do like the sound of this. I've got one, but the app is 
pretty terrible. The only good thing about it is it does let me link. You, you can kind of get into it far enough to allow it to link it to other apps like Fitbit or yeah. um, Apple Health. So that's a good thing. Yeah, anyway, Hydrate does the same thing. You can link it up to Apple Health and other things and get notifications. So, yeah, it's really nice. But I think yours is more accessible than mine. By the I think so. So, yeah, that's a good thing. Right, okay. Well, um, let's get one more email in. Um before uh, we uh, we begin to wrap up, because uh, Alan has been in touch from Hereford in the UK. Uh, hello to you, Alan. He says, Hi, Stephen, Sean, and Tim. I've been listening to your podcasts for the last few months and really enjoy them. Now, you mentioned on one of the podcasts that your podcast may be finishing in September. Is this true? And why are you going to stop the podcast in September? <laughs> Careful right. what you say, Stephen. <laughs> I know. I, I will say, Alan, look. Don't worry, all right? Well, I, I, I don't know. Actually, I can't say that. Let us worry. Yeah, let, let us worry about that. No, um, I was kind of j- having a bit of a joke last week about that um, because, you know, we were kind of making the joke that our health is in such a bad way that either the contract will come to an end or we'll all die because of our bad health. That was kind of not a very funny joke, I'll admit. Um, <laughs> not at all. No. <laughs> on any level. But, um, yeah, no, as far as I'm concerned, we're here to stay. Um that's my that's my plan. Can't speak for AMI. Both on AMI and on uh, life on on the planet. Yeah, on, yes. both, on both. Yeah, rule I of plan- thumb: if Stephen says something horribly negative about us or the show, it, it's I, probably not true. Yes, exactly. That's right. Don't believe a word I say. Um, no, uh, we are here to stay. At least I certainly hope that's the case. And you know what, Alan? You can tell the good people at AMI that you agree with that and. Uh, that, that you think that's the case. So feedback at ami.ca if you want to see us live beyond <laughs> September. Um, on AMI, obviously. Uh, right. Uh, well, going on to the rest of the email, he says, it's uh, good to see that Stephen is going to use the Pixel 3 from Google. I got the Pixel 2 last January and really like the phone. It's uh, There is just a few minor tweaks that I would like Android TalkBack to do, such as read the notifications with you on that one. Uh, TalkBack um, reading that you've cleared apps. Yes. Actually, now you think now I think about it. That's a good point. Um, lift phone to ear to answer the phone, which is a good point. Um, I quite like that feature actually. Although I will say the one thing I love about TalkBack is the um, ending the call by pressing the power button. That's nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, also TalkBack announcing that the battery is one hundred percent charged because it doesn't do that. And also for you to select if you want app updates, system updates, and OS automatically updating themselves. Yeah, there are a lot of things in there. Um, Notifications in particular is one thing I've noticed it's not very good at, at reading out. Uh, and in some ways, that's not a bad thing, you know? I mean, I find my iPhone doesn't shut up. Um, <laughs> so it's so that fine line nice. between too much info and uh, not mm. enough, yeah. But at least having the option. Yeah, and that, that said, on the iPhone, you can choose to silence certain notifications or you know hide them or what have you. So there, there are those. Well, options. he also goes on to say, good news that Stephen now likes Narrator as well. He says, I've been using Narrator for about a year. Uh, and a half, and I really like Narrator. Still has about 40% to improve on with the updates to catch up with NVDA and JAWS. Uh, can you see if you can convince Sean to try and use Narrator? We are trying. I have used it. We're I've tried trying. it for about 20 minutes, and it was fine. <laughs> Listen, before we go, uh, I want to finish on uh, something we promised we would bring you, and that's Tim's Bits, which is kind of two things in one here, because we got an email in from Aaron Linson, didn't we, Tim? And uh, you wanted to answer that email for him. Yes, Stephen, that's right. Welcome to another edition of Tim's Bits on Double Tap Canada. This week, I'm speaking to all the musicians out there who are looking for a quick and easy way to either do a vocal warm-up 
or to tune your instrument. This week, I'll be using two skills on Amazon Echo. The first is called the pianist. The second is called guitar tuner. You can enable these either by using the Amazon Lady A app or just ask your Amazon Echo device to either enable pianist or enable guitar tuner. Let's take a look at the pianist skill first. And since I am a tenor saxophone and clarinet player, as well as a vocalist, let's start off by tuning to a B flat and then do some vocal warm-ups. Ask the pianist to give me a B flat. Here is a B flat. Ask the pianist to give me a G. Here is a G. Ask the pianist to help me warm up. I'll start with a C. Jump in when you can, and drop out when you need to. up several more steps from that and when it gets to the end it will ask you if you want to stop or if you'd like to go back down and now take out your guitar and get ready to tune ask guitar tuner to tune my guitar okay i will play each string four times starting with the low e have it two simple and valuable skills from your amazon echo to help you be more in tune with your music it's truly a marriage made in heaven is there anything that you'd like me to cover in an upcoming edition of tim's bits or do you have questions about anything that i've covered please send your emails to feedback at ami.ca and be sure to put tim's bits in the subject line you can find additional features from all of us here at Double Tap by looking for us on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap Canada. And you can find us on the web at doubletap.online. Tim, that sounds brilliant. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for all your emails. Really appreciate them. Keep them coming. Feedback at ami.ca. We appreciate the love on the show. However, AMI may not love us if we run over. So we're out. Thank you, guys. We'll catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. I'm Margaret Shepherd of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.